Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. That, again, freetalklive.com. As we roll into hour number one of the program, we go right to the phones and to the fun, the amplifier line, where Jason is in Pennsylvania. Hey, Jason. Hey, guys. How you doing tonight? Great. What's up? Uh, about a week or so ago, you guys had somebody on the air from Pennsylvania who uh, called in about a speeding ticket. Uh, he was going extremely fast in, a, uh, I think, a 25-mile-an-hour zone across a bridge. Okay. Um, and uh, he was talking about how to go about um, uh, at least fighting the ticket, or uh, I guess he had some friends on the force or, or something along those lines. Um, but it just made me think. He mentioned something that made me think about uh, um, something that I've always done. Uh, my uncle was a, a cop here in this region of Pennsylvania and is now a district justice, so I won't say where we are in Pennsylvania. But um, he's advised me that any time you get a speeding ticket, always, always, always fight the ticket. And um, on your ticket, there's always a place where the police officer has to put their name and mm-hmm. typically, I don't know in all states, but most of the time there's a phone number for the for the uh, local station. Um, he said usually you know, about a day or two ahead of time, or if you don't want to call, um, just meet the officer a little bit early at the uh, at the hearing. And 90% of the time, if you ask the officer to plea down, they'll plea it down to a no points violation, like five miles an hour over the speed limit. You pay mm-hmm. a small little fine. You don't get any points. Your insurance doesn't go up. And uh, you know, as long as you're nice to the officer, which you know most of us don't like to do, but um, you know, if it's going to get get you where you got to go. Speak you know. for yourself. You know, if there's a butt out there to kiss, I'll kiss it. I love good <laughs> butt kissing. You know, it's, so, not only can you get it reduced, and you almost always do, um, there's also a good chance that the cops just don't show up. I've gotten out of two tickets because I went to court, and the cops just didn't show up for the court trial, so I got well, off yeah. of both of them. That's that's the other possibility. So um, just putting that out there for anybody who, who's, who's uh, in a situation where they want to reduce their fine or not yeah. get points or whatever in other states, I don't know how it works. But right, and, wanna... and most people, they, they think about the, the cost of the ticket as being the cost of the uh, fine, and it's not. It's the no. cost of your insurance, yeah, <laughs> which exactly. is what the real cost mm. of a ticket is. So, Good um, point. you know, if what? you... It, 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 you might as well take it to court because, at the very least, you can still get the uh, the fine for the points and then take the class afterwards. So, it's best to uh, try to avoid those points any way you can. One other thing yes, uh, that uh, I, I like to tell people, and I've been doing it for probably five years now. Anytime I see a police officer who is either driving in excess of the speed limit, which actually just happened to me five minutes ago on my way home from work, and it made me think to call you guys, um, or you see a police officer turn without a signal or, or just do something that they would normally write you up a ticket for, mm-hmm. um, call, call their local dispatch and report them. Because yeah, what's that going to do? Well, if enough people report a particular officer, it's actually happened around here. Um, there was an officer who was just blatantly reckless, and... You got enough people that complained about his driving habits that he was removed from the force. Hmm. So, I, you know, who watches the the watchers or how's that go? It's all yeah. our job to watch them. That's a that's a good point. Uh, normally, I would. It, 
shy away from snitching on anyone, even... I mean, it, it's hard for me to even imagine, imagine snitching on the cops, but I guess I could probably get over my... Uh, my compunctions there. Thanks for the call, Jason. We appreciate it. And that sort of ties into what Gene, uh, the Christian anarchist, was talking about last night. He was sort of sharing some of his success stories, having challenged uh, a number of his tickets as well. Um, I mean, if you don't challenge it, you're guaranteed to lose, right? Right. You know, that's what happened with uh, me and the, the ticket in Massachusetts. I got I got uh, half price and no points. So What a deal. You know, you can't beat that. You yes. still... Same thing happened with me in Massachusetts. They actually reduced it by 75%, no points at all, so... I, mean, I guess you are paying for it a little bit in that you are spending your time to go and challenge the ticket, but right. if it's a big enough ticket, I suppose it's worth it then, right? And, and the points. Like Mark said, the points really add up on insurance. 1-800-259-9231. Let's go uh, to Norway and talk to Srode. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hi, guys. Hey, hey. what's on your mind tonight, Srode? Uh, I wanted to talk a little about welfare. Okay, okay. I see it from uh, my point of view in Norway. We have a lot of uh, uh, non-liberty movements. Here in Norway, we have it, uh, a state church. We have uh, taxes that are higher than in the states. And all of the, those things I disagree with. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to welfare, I have a little problem with you use. Okay. Um, for me, as uh, I see people in Norway, uh, we have a good uh, hospital system uh, where people that are really sick uh, get the help they need. How would you solve that in a libertary way? Well, it's, a, it's a good question and a question a lot of people have. Um, basically we would essentially turn it over to the people that used to take care of these issues, and that is uh, mutual aid societies, uh, private charities, groups of individuals who get together on a voluntary basis to assist the um, the poor people and those who are in need of those sorts of treatments. In many cases, um, here in this country today, hospitals have charity wings, what they call them, um, where when you go to the hospital, if you're a paying customer, you're asked um, to voluntarily contribute some amount of money to the charity wing. And, again, that money goes into the charity wing, which is it exists to do that, that very thing, take care of those who can't afford to uh, to take care of themselves in that particular case. And, Schrode, um now you have uh, sort of – people are allowed to own property in Norway, right? Yes. Okay. Now, who takes get better care of their house, a person who owns it or a person who rents it? Uh, the uh, the one that owns it. The one generally, the one that owns it. Not always, but you know, ninety nine percent of the time. Now, um, when it you've might, got when yeah. you've got a person in charge of um, who's not in charge of their own health care, they've got the state in charge of their health care. The state takes care of them. They're kind of like a renter because they're not responsible for any damage that they do to themselves. So they can smoke, 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 and they can eat a bunch of uh, pork fat, and they can do whatever they want. And the state's going to take care of their their health care. But if you make a person responsible for their own health care, like a homeowner is, if the water heater breaks, you've got to fix it because you're the homeowner. If, um, so if you make them responsible for it, they're more likely to take care of themselves, and I think that it promotes good health. My only problem is this. If we don't have taxes uh, collecting uh, money for welfare, mm-hmm. would, we, uh, would uh, then people that actually need welfare all of them uh, get 
uh, the assistance they need. I don't think so, unfortunately. Well, there's only so many. I mean, now you're talking about health care, you're talking about welfare in general, just people who are... Uh, yeah, both things. Okay. Well, there are a lot of people uh, on welfare today that arguably shouldn't be on it at all. Because I would say most of them. I agree. Right. What we have today is a government bureaucracy that essentially doles out money to those who jump through the right hoops, that fill out the correct mm-hmm. paperwork and that sort of thing. And a lot of them stay on welfare for generations. I don't know what it's like in Norway, but here, right. um, you know, there's there's people who are um, who are on welfare that were born to people who are on welfare that were born to people who are on welfare. So what you'd see happen in a transition to a more free market-based um, system of, of helping people who are in need of help is you would see them um, they'd have to get off the government dole and if they really did need help then they'd have to go to a variety of different charitable organizations that would be available in their area say um, I'm it's just a guess, but I'm sure a good number of them would be run by churches. Um, so, you know, they'd have to go there and they'd have to apply for help at that at that particular church. And then they would have to expect to be checked out because in the government world, there's there's no interest for the bureaucrats to check people out. They just, you know, the bureaucrats just get to cut checks to people. There's they don't have any incentive to make sure that these individuals are, you know, telling the truth about actually being sick or telling the truth about having trouble uh, getting a job and all of the, you know, all of their hard hardship stories, um, these individuals would be checked out by a private charity. They would be verified. Their claims would be verified. And the private charity would continue to check up on them on a monthly basis to make sure that they're actually doing the things they're claiming to do. It would be a much better system. And thank you for the call, Strode. We appreciate it. At 800-259-9231. Then again, there's there's also the whole side issue of bureaucracy just not spending that money efficiently And I've got a story when we come back. All right. A welfare story? Yes. Okay. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features completely free. We've got a wiki. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Over 1,350 pages created by listeners just like you, and it's completely free. So head over to wiki.freetalklive.com. That's uh, wiki.freetalklive.com. And the Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, put on by the Free State Project, it's happening in a matter of weeks, June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to attend leadership and activist training seminars, tour New Hampshire on special Free State Project bus tours or on your own, and hear and discuss the progress and the future of the Free State Project. Not to mention, meet Free Talk Live, and Toby's going to be there as well, uh, doing his show, which is Free Minds TV. Uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, media occurrences there, and it's going to be a good time. It's going to be fun. Uh, Porkfest.com to get registered. It's not too late. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. In fact, if you just show up, you, you can do that. But, but the reason they want people to register is because they've got uh, like barbecues and things like that that are going to be going on. And so they'd like to get an idea as to who's going to be participating in those sorts of things. So Porkfest.com. We uh, just got off the phone with Srode in Sweden a few moments ago. And Strode sounds like he's sort of getting, you know, the whole liberty thing on a number of issues, but he's really concerned about welfare. He's, and, you know, for good reason. Um, People are rightfully so concerned about what's going to happen to the poor in the absence of all these government welfare programs, whether Mm -hmm. it be Medicare or Medicaid or whatever, or whether it be just simply a a welfare check being cut to someone. Um, They're concerned that in the absence of government, people will slip through the proverbial cracks. Right. Nobody wants to see poor people 
dying in the street because we've gotten rid of welfare. Nobody on this side of the aisle or any side. I like I don't want to see that and I don't expect to see it. Right. For one, I don't know about um Norway or was it Norway? Norway. Or uh, I, I said Sweden, I meant Norway. Okay. Um, I don't know about Norway, but um, I do know that in America, we are extraordinarily generous. We are the most generous country on the face of the earth and the most generous country that's ever existed. We take care of people. We do not let people suffer. But, and one of the re- that's one of the reasons that we have welfare is that, you know, these Western countries are concerned about people doing um, poorly. When you put it in the hands of bureaucrats and people who aren't motivated to do things, um, you know, to do things efficiently to make sure that the right people are getting the money, then you get people who scam the system. Mm-hmm. And when you leave it in place for a long time, those amount, those people get in and scam the system to the point that they're the only ones that are in the system practically. I'm sh- um, I'm sure when welfare came around here in the United States, it was like 1963 or something like that with um, LBJ. Um, the uh, they I'm sure that a lot of poor people were helped at that time. But after, you know, since the system's been around and people have figured out how to get the money out of it, how to continue um, getting it and not work and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. they've, it's gotten worse. For instance, um, everybody knows that I was in prison for nine years. One of the guys that I happen to be in prison with, I, every once in a while, um, while I was still living down in Florida, I'd run across one of these guys. Okay. And um, I think... I think to um, just about, unless I went seeking um, to to be with some, you know, to go, you know, hang out with somebody for an evening or whatever, it was always some black guy, um, you know, that I'd knew, known in prison. I guess it's probably because I knew 90% uh, black guys in prison. Right. But, um, in this particular case, this guy's name was, I think it was Reggie. And um, I saw him at the movie theater on the way in, and I, I'm like, oh, so what are you doing? How's it, how's it going? How long you been out? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, so what are you doing for work? And he said, work? I don't work. Works for suckers. That's the way he saw it. And he was going to his car. And his car was a Cadillac. <laughs> a new Cadillac. Wow. Reggie sold drugs. And then when I talked to him a little while longer and, you know, found out what was going on, he sold drugs and then lived with this girl that w- that had a couple of kids by oh, a few different guys, right? right? And she got welfare. She took care of all the bills at home. And he paid for whatever else, you know, his extravagant right. lifestyle, his his golden jewelry and his Cadillac and living the know, drug dealer life, all that stuff. Yeah. So he see he essentially lived he he was on welfare. Reggie was mm. because in a in the real world, if if that girl wasn't getting welfare for having kids and all that other stuff, then she'd have to find some guy that would support her. Right. And. She, she's not going to be giving it up nearly uh, as quickly to that guy. The uh, she's not going to be having sex with that guy nearly as quickly, if he's not uh, going to be supporting her and he's not making a commitment and not getting married. Welfare promotes promiscuity. It promotes um, you know the destruction of the family. Sure, they pay you by the kid. They do, and it doesn't matter who the father's from. It, you know, it doesn't. None of this stuff matters. So. Right. Welfare's destroyed families um, now just in America. Think, just think about how that situation would be different uh, were she getting money from a, a private charity. She would have to go and apply to the charity and tell tell the charity, you know, what her hardships are, why it is that she can't go and go to work. Uh, right. She maybe has some cripple condition of some sort, something that's going to prevent her from getting uh, the average job. And presuming that the the church understands her situation or that the charity understands her situation and and sees that she's not lying to them, um, they would put her on the program. 
And I guess it would probably vary from charity to charity how often that individual would be checked up upon by a volunteer because a lot of these charities would be run by volunteers because, as you said, Mark, people care. Mm -hmm. Americans actually care about their fellow man and so therefore they care they're interested and if you're not taking the uh if you're not taking all their uh money away and giving it mostly 70 70 percent of it to uh middle class bureaucrats then they'll have more money so that they the people don't have so they can don't have to work as much so they can spend more time being charitable which they do and not only that, but the the private charities are going to make sure that that person's in a better spot so they won't be needing to be on charity every month. They're going to go out there and probably help them find a job or some job training because, right. I mean, it, coming right from churches in the Bible, uh, give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach a man f- to fish, and he eats for a lifetime. I exactly mean, right. It's as simple as that. Are you certain that. that's the Bible? I don't know. I, I learned it in church. <laughs> it sounds I know biblical, that. but I don't think it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a great saying. I don't think it's biblical. It was a really? church that taught it to me. I thought it was in the, I, the I learned Bible. that in Sunday school. Uh, I've learned lots of things in Sunday school. That doesn't make them biblical. I don't. Uh, it makes me think it's biblical. Right. I don't think so. <laughs> well, nonetheless, uh, the the. The, the worker, I guess you could call them a social worker, I don't know if that's the appropriate term, but the, the volunteer would come out, they'd visit the, the woman, and they would, they'd follow up with her. They'd see, all right, well, you know, who did you apply? What jobs did you apply for this week? Or d- depending on whatever it was she, she needed the help with. And then she'd have to show this person that she had indeed been doing what she had told them the week before that she was going to do. And if she didn't do what she uh, claimed she was going to do, then they would, have a just, they would have just cause at that point to say, well, you know, we'll give you one last chance this week, but you really need to go out there and uh, and get to get to applying for jobs. This and really, if she still doesn't do it, then she's done. This really happened with a um, renter of mine. Um, I had a uh, renter who whose husband and her broke up or whatever, and so she had to pay the rent on her own, and she went to a church that was around the corner, literally from her house, my house, or mm-hmm. the house, um, and she managed to get her rent paid for for a couple of months. She then moved on. I don't think the church was going to in, in, intended to pay um, for her rent for very long, but her uh, lease ran out, and so she went back to her pa- mom's house or something like that. But the church contacted me. They wanted to know how much the rent, how much the rent was. They, so she wasn't lying, right? I don't right. know what you know. I don't know why they contacted me, but they certainly verified some things. That's what me. I would do if I were that volunteer right. who was following that person. I would call up the job she claimed to apply to. I've had a lot of renters on assistance from the government. None of them have ever contacted me and asked me anything. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Eight. They never check. Right. They, they don't, don't have to. Who cares? 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Most people in any normal circumstances care about others, but for some reason when they become bureaucrats, they all of a sudden become cold-hearted. A lot of them do. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. Sakel CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, including the updates. You just get signed up and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get on the list by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That is updates. 
freetalklive.com and SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy. So your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359 for SACL CAI. All right, so welfare, government welfare's got to go. It's got to be replaced by private charity. It'll be more efficient. It'll be run by people who actually care about other people. Because when somebody tells you that they think the government has to handle welfare, I think, I think sort of the underlying suggestion there is that, well, the average person just doesn't care about other people, but government bureaucrats, they do. I mean, because why else would you not want to put helping others into the hands of regular charitable organizations? What, what other reason would you have to not do that? Well, I could you defend, believe the government is more efficient? That I could the government defend is, that. I mean, um, that there's just so much poverty around that we need somebody who handles these things full time. Somebody who's professional, who mm-hmm. knows who needs things and who knows who doesn't. I mean, I can understand. I can see where the social scientist comes in and thinks that, uh, you know, that welfare is a good idea but we've got welfare all you have to do is look at it and see what a disaster it is now yeah. i can see that uh, i can see being scared of the world without welfare like oh no the safety net everybody's gone. gonna die you know the poor people be nothing but ketchup soup right well the, like, that I mentality can, i can see that but we have had a world without welfare here in america and right. we had it for a long time prior to 1963 Basically, the churches and other um, charitable organizations, the women's auxiliaries, you know, the, the ladies' Mutual clubs, aid societies. whatever, mm-hmm. there were all kinds of them, and they made sure that nobody starved to death. And they've all gone away for the most part now at this point. All of the old right. organizations, they've dried up because most people think the government's going to, you know, they're handling Not it. Not only that, but people are much poorer because they're paying so much in taxes to fund these welfare programs that aren't at all efficient. I mean... I don't know. I don't think that... I don't think that there's that many poor people running around in the Western world. Now, I'm not over in Europe, and I don't know what it's like over He's there. He's talking about everyone. I'm, I'm just talking about myself. People I have in less general, money the middle to class give to... is poorer than middle classes have been right. in the past. I have less money to give to charity because I'm paying so much in taxes I going to this inefficient welfare and then system. There's the, I think the final point on, on uh, private, privatizing, for lack of a better word, but or marketizing, how about that, uh, marketizing welfare, is that then you finally get a choice. Exactly. Because today you don't have that option. Today you're forced right, by I, the government to, to pay for their lousy system. I know that the welfare system stinks and I don't want to support it. I'm sure that the Salvation Army, that doesn't mean you hate Goodwill, and all kinds of organizations out there that I support on an annual basis. Now you can call me a greedy, nasty, selfish libertarian, but you're lying to yourself because I donate lots of of money time and uh, materials to these organizations because i happen to care what goes on with these people and i know that the welfare system does not the welfare system doesn't give a damn about ex-convict ma- male ex-convicts that mm-hmm. get out don't have a job end up committing crime harming society harming themselves and going back to jail they don't care the welfare system in america is aimed at people women who have children Ethnic women generally who have children. They're, they don't care about the convicts who get out. So the, what does Goodwill do? What does the Salvation Army do? They focus on these guys. And these guys are a danger to everyone. You take a guy who's just gotten out of prison and is desperate, 
He's going to hurt somebody if he doesn't have some way of getting on his feet. That's why I support these organizations, because the government doesn't. The government stinks at helping these people that desperately need your help. Welfare sucks. I can't say it any better than that. 800-259-9231 to the phones. Ladies first, it's Christina in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hi, Christina. Hi, how's it going? Hey, what's hey. on your mind? Um, well, I wanted to address the issue of family in politics, which you guys kind of talked about a couple weeks back. Okay. But it was at the end of the show, so I wanted to Go get it. into that more. All right, so the background is, my mom has been calling my brother for at least a month now, just you know, trying to see how he is, say hi, and so on. Mm-hmm. But he won't answer a caller back because of politics. Oh, He's really? a free marketeer. He's a free marketeer and lives a, a pretty unconventional lifestyle, which you know, just by being a free marketeer kind of implies that anyway. No, 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 no. Does that mean that he uh, does he live out like in a trailer out in the high desert of California and uh, grow his own food kind of thing? Or I mean, what are we talking about <laughs> unconventional lifestyle? Well, I just mean. That Let's see. He he lives by the virtue of self, selfishness by Ayn Rand, uh-huh. for instance. Well, but how does I, how does it apply to his life? Well, first what's the strangest all, thing he does? Okay. Well, I should just say he doesn't believe in holidays, which is fine. Okay. He doesn't believe in birthdays and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Christmas, which is you know a huge deal to my mother. Oh boy. He doesn't. He doesn't, you know, come and do that sort of stuff with is, us either. Is mom religious? Well, no, not at all, actually. So Christmas is a huge deal, but she's not religious. No, well, well, right. She but, wants know, her family Christmas. together on the holiday, as a, that's all. As a cultural sort, yeah, basically, that's what it is. Um, and he does, he does come by, but he doesn't participate in the gift exchange and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But anyway. what, now, hold on. Uh, yeah. You can continue here in a moment, but I would sort of want to understand the ground, uh, lay the ground um, plan here or whatever. Uh, okay. So your brother, that's your brother, correct? Yes. Okay. Your brother, why is he so cold towards your parents? I mean, it, are they were they mean to him at one point? Uh, does he have an axe to grind? Is there something uh, that he just completely... What's the issue between them that's, that's keeping him away? That's what I'm wondering, is that, for instance, on Mother's Day, I called him and I said, well, why don't you just give her a call and say hi, because... She really misses you, and she just wants to talk to you and say hi. And he's like, I don't know, what does that mean? She's my mother. <laughs> he just, I don't know. He's so strange about it like that. And I said, well, why don't you just call her? You know, she's still your mother. And then, like I said, he said, well, what does that mean? But anyway, so my point is. Well, it means she had sex with your father several years ago. And, uh... <laughs> you know, I, I have a friend. I have a friend who's just like this. <laughs> And, um, do you, know, you Mark? It, I do, I do. And he's sitting across from me. <laughs> and it's annoying as hell. You know, there's this poor lady out there in California that just wants to see her son in the holidays, just wants him to call, just wants him to spend a little time. And it's just so ridiculous to me. That, yeah, but, uh, but I have a legitimate gripe, Mark. Well, your gripe is, and let's, let's, assume, let's assume that there's uh, some kind of parallel here. Your mother doesn't want to hear about your anarchist politics every minute of the time that she's spending with I, you. I don't talk about it every minute of the time I <laughs> no, spend with her. No. I went and got you. You wait an hour or so, find an issue, crap blows up, everybody's mad, and then you leave. <laughs> yeah. God knows she wouldn't want to have that going on at Christmas. Well, that's exactly what I was alluding to, because of course, <laughs> is a huge part of my brother's life. 
so that they don't always argue about it. But um, but of course, my mom's political. Like she didn't she didn't go to college, mm-hmm. and she doesn't have the internet. She doesn't read the newspaper. She just watches TV. So of course, what she knows about politics is being spit fed to her by the media. Now, right. with that in mind, I just want to. This isn't a trick question, but why do you guys have a radio show? Why do we have a radio show? Because we've worked yeah. hard? I, well, because you want to spread the message of liberty, right? Well, uh, because we want one make, of the reasons. We want to make money, right. and then, uh, then you know, the side right. perk is we can spread the message of freedom. Right. Okay. So, well, that implies that a lot of people don't really understand the concept of liberty. And you guys are sort of, right, you guys are sort of taking on the role of educators, in a sense. You are well, correct about that. Let's continue discussing your issue. If you'll hold on, Christina, we will bring you back. 800-259-9231. Now, I can relate, and I'll talk more about my situation without Mark's bastardizing of it. <laughs> what? 800-259-9231. Because I still talk to my mother, okay? There's still some communication going on. Mother's Day. <laughs> Congratulations. 800-259-9231. This is your show. You can take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn what that's all about. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is simple. You send in three bucks a month, and we will uh, use that money to help promote the show, to help get Free Talk Live on more radio stations around the country. And I'm telling you, it's working. I just got a call from a uh, program director today out in California, and it's a 10,000-watt station. I, I guess we can announce this. There's always a chance that plans will change, but on um, Tomorrow, right? Thursday, Thursday? No, no, it's Thursday afternoon okay. at noon Pacific time in Santa Cruz, California. If you are out there, you should tune into uh, KSCO. I believe it is 1060 because we're going to be doing a special one hour edition of uh, Free Talk Live just for their audience. And one of the reasons why that's happening is he happened to be looking at the and this guy I've talked to before. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had already had some rapport with him, but what. What made him think about us and think to call me on this to make this offer to us is he was looking at our Talkers magazine ad at that time. And well, that's why you have a magazine ad. And he picked up the phone and called me. So, again, um, it, the reason why we have a half-page ad in Talkers magazine, the industry publication for talk radio, is because of our amplifiers. Because of listeners like you sending in three bucks a month on an automated basis. You don't even have to think about it once you sign up. It's any major credit card or PayPal. Get all the details at amp.freetalklive.com. It's making a big difference for us getting on more stations and spreading the message of freedom and liberty. Now, speaking of spreading the message of freedom and liberty, a lot of people have a tough time doing it when it comes to their family members. And this this happens with anything. I mean, anything you're trying to sell to family, whether it be a vacuum cleaner right. or a Liberty, is always really difficult. In the sales industry, we had uh, a kind of a cool way to uh, talk about it. We said, an expert is a guy from out of town. Right. That's the definition, is the guy traveled here to talk to us about this particular subject. He must be an expert. So, therefore, the opposite of that is an amateur, a dope, an idiot. And these people have known you all your life. They saw you wet your pants. Yeah. You can't possibly know more about politics than they do. 
That's the attitude, and it can be very frustrating, especially because, well, you tend to care about these people. Mm -hmm. And when they continue to not want to hear what you have to say, that can be pretty off-putting. Let's go back to the phones and talk to Christina in California. Now, Christina, you were telling us that your brother uh, is a self-described free marketeer. He lives uh, away from your family, and he doesn't have any interest in contacting them. Whether it's a holiday or mom's birthday or whatever the uh, the the day is, he's pretty much um, a non incommunicado, I suppose you could say, oh, yeah. with uh, with your family. And so we were just sort of going through a, a line of questioning to try to understand better what the situation is. Would you say that um, he had at, at one point been around the family and tried to communicate his views to them, and they were uh, they were rebuffed, and that is what made him angry? Is he is he angry at something? I mean, I'm sure he's resentful because, I mean, my mom and my sister are kind of the people who, if it's not their views, they kind of, well, they kind of blew him off. They would roll their eyes at him. Like, I don't think they rolled, like, their eyes to his, at, at him to his face, but it was that kind of, I'm listening to you, but I'm not hearing it, you know? Uh-huh. Patronizing. I'm the only, uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm I'm kind of the only one who has absorbed what he's actually saying, and you know, realize there's a lot of validity in it. And um, that's good. So I think that that's why he and I are still talking and so on. But um, I, I wanted to go on to say that he he's actually a tutor. He's a tutor in a tutoring company, and um, mm-hmm. he so he's an educator, right? And he's a teacher, and he's teaching these kids. And he's learning from these kids. And the thing is, granted, he's getting paid to do it. He doesn't give up on them. And I feel like he's kind of given up on my mom. And I I don't think she's a lost cause at all. Because I just had a conversation with her last night in which, of course, at the outset of the conversation, she said explicitly that Iraqis hate Americans because of our freedoms, which, Mm. you know, wasn't the case. But then, of course, I argued with her about it. And in the end, that wasn't what she meant at all. And so I really think he, you just have to have patience with her. And I don't think that he has had that. I almost feel like he said there's, like, always one issue with someone. And if you can reach them on that issue, then they'll really listen to you about everything else. And I feel like maybe he never even looked for that issue with her. Right. I, what I've found with my parents is um, finding agreements is the best way. When I first uh, discovered libertarianism or small government issues, I went up and wanted to spread it to my family and tell my parents about it. And tell them the good news! Exactly. I'm so excited <laughs> about this. And I'm like, they're going to be so excited. And when I got that first, like, what are you talking about? Right. Um, it created quite the fight, and so for quite a few fa- family meals, get-togethers, all it would be is fighting. And after a while of doing that, I was like, I can't keep doing this. It's deteriorating the relationship I have with my right. family and my parents. Mm-hmm. And so what I started to do is listen to what Mark and Ian told people to do is not argue, but find agreements, find places that you do agree, and look for yeah. connections within that. And that's what I've tr- uh, I've done, and it's actually not only help the relationship with my parents, uh, between me and my parents, but it's also helped them see the message, too. My mom keeps telling me she's right. getting scared because she's kind of recognizing um, the message of libertarianism in a way. Yeah. She's like, I'm scared. I'm starting it's to think that way. But thing. it's really, I do it all from finding agreements and finding that common ground that inevitably everyone's going to have with someone on at least some of the issues. So have you yeah. explicitly asked your brother what his issue is? Because that might be an important. It's it's pretty much just that, like when you when you were talking about your mom, 
a couple weeks back at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. It was like, or or friends that you say, I don't need friends like that, you know? <laughs> it was sort of that mentality, like, I don't need someone in my life who's going to not listen to me and tear me down and so on. Although, I really, she's not very active in tearing him down. She's just very stubborn with her her ways. It's a t- this is a such a tough situation because you know I can understand both sides of it. I, I understand the 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 desire for mo- for a mom to want to be with her son, and at the same time I also understand his um, he's feeling rejected by his mother in this particular instance um, because uh, she may not how be. In- I feel. I'm sorry. Imagine how you feel. Imagine how I feel. You, you feel I'm like you're caught middle. in the middle, right? Um, and so you're trying to sort of be the referee here. You're trying to set things right. I wish you the best of luck in, in attempting to do that. Maybe he feels like he's been wronged in some way by her. Um, if there's something that, you know, if, if your mother's willing to swallow her pride a little bit, um, and maybe you, they can both meet in the, the middle somewhere, if indeed he feels like she did something that offended him, perhaps she could apologize for that and, I don't know, maybe uh, make the offer that she is willing to listen at least a little bit. That's what my mom did to me to get me back into the fold, um, and she lied. She didn't actually end up wanting to hear anything that I had to say, so I, I was pretty upset about that again. But I still talk to her just because, you know, she's mom, and there's still some semblance of obligation. I, you know, I don't, I don't hate the woman. Um, she's a nice lady. It's just that she's just not interested in what I have to say, so I, I'm not really that um, keen on talking to her. So there's some sort of a disconnect between the two of them. And if you can figure out what it is, and if they're both willing to work towards a solution, then I think you can see some progress. But if neither one of them is interested in hearing out what the other has to say, then I, I don't know if you're going to get anywhere with it, Christina. I, know, it's I wish I could be more optimistic um, for you, but I, what I am curious about is what happens. And if you would, will you call us back and, and let us know? Oh, definitely. Mark, <laughs> yeah, Toby, any other thoughts well, for Christina? I, I just think that family is such an, um, an important thing in this world. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not for... Maybe not for any good reason. You know, maybe your mom's just your mom because she gave birth to you or whatever. But, you know, I really like being in a good, having a good relationship with my mom, and my relationship could have been better with my dad, and he's dead and gone, and there's absolutely nothing I'm ever going to do to be able to um, rectify that sort of bumpy relationship, some of the trouble that we had, and, and I wish I could. Um, I think that... You know, everybody who's listening, including your brother, should do everything that they can to have a reasonably good relationship with their parents. You don't need to kiss their butts or anything like that. But it's probably worth your time to keep your mouth shut about uh, politics a little bit while you're there. Maybe you can do some education on an issue and, you know, work on them. But you're not going to convert somebody overnight. Yeah, I'd have to agree with Mark. I, I really, I'd like to stay in good touch with the family. And I think it is important just... For most people, anyways, and I uh, just try have them look for gr- agreements. I mean, everyone agrees on some issues. Maybe it's not politics, but look for what people they do agree on and see if they can talk about that and avoid the big issues. So. Is is mom's food any good? <laughs> um, sure. Okay, well, that's one reason to actually show up if the food's actually good. Worth homemade food up is for. worth it. And one other question: How old is uh, this guy that we've been talking about? Um, I think 
Keep us up to date, okay, Christina? We appreciate you uh, checking in with us on this and let us know what happens. 1-800-259-9231. Thanks for the call. Hour 2 is on the way. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. That again is freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones and to the fun. Start things out to Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, point something out. In uh, 2002, I signed in one morning at a day labor pool, and they gave me a job ticket to go to a landscaping company, which brought me out to a job site. And I'm admiring these nice condos that these people have, mm-hmm. wishing that I could afford to have live in a nice condo like this, you know, I'm raking the, I mean, they don't have to rake their leaves or anything. Right. You know, maybe if I hit some nice lottery prize, I might be able to live in a place as nice as that. And then I saw the sign that says, no trespassing, Nashua Housing Authority. Uh-oh. And I'm what? I'm working two jobs, so these parasites don't have to work? Hmm. And they got a better place to live than I've got? Oh, so, uh, of course, uh, you know, it's at the end of a nice dead-end street and everything, and uh, they don't have to rake their leaves. I'm raking their leaves for them. Amazing. Hmm. Yeah. The case now, of welfare envy, wouldn't that, in, in a lesser man, wouldn't that inspire someone else to say, hey, I want to be, get a little bit of, the, of that for me. I, I shouldn't have to do all this work. I, I should be able to sign up for that program. What's all this housing about? And then they go yeah. off and read all the requirements, and they'd figure out how to work the system, get themselves a nice free house or whatever. Oh, and you can really yeah. work the system on those. I know my brother's uh, girlfriend's mother is working the system in there. Those are supposed to be more temporary placements for housing, but she's lived in there going on something like six or something years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just one of the things where it's supposed to get in there um, get it yourself settled and move on, but you can really work yep. and just stay there as long as you want. One of the other problems is that uh, welfare creates an excuse for the government to violate your rights because otherwise they might give you some free money and they can't afford it. Uh, namely, like make you buckle your seatbelt and know you can't uh, use those drugs and know you can't do this and you have to go to school so that, I mean, uh, when I worked at Walmart, by the way, uh, I remember every night at 11 o'clock, they kicked everybody out who was under 18, and, you know, they have to go to bed. They have to, I mean, some of them have to go to school in the morning so that they can uh, get an education, so they can get a job, except that they already have a job. It's good enough for me. Why isn't it good enough for them? Uh, But uh, it creates an excuse for the government to violate people's rights and the bureaucracy. I want to... illustrate that with an anecdote about the bureaucracy part because years ago um, I was working with somebody and we were doing quality control on some videos and uh, you know you check the sound and the picture are there at the beginning and in the middle and at the end mm-hmm. and he didn't he, he couldn't deal with this because uh, once one title that we were doing was 
a Vietnam War documentary. Hmm. And guess what war he was in? The Marine Corps in. Vietnam. Okay, so so he he couldn't handle those. So. Uh, well, the company, in that case, as it turns out, was able to accommodate him by giving him different titles to do. But if they had not done so, then he might have walked off the job because he can't handle it and then had to tell some bureaucrat who, of course, would have to make him go to some professional that gets paid way too much to get an evaluation and come back with a piece of paper that they can stick in, this, in the folder. And See, what would that piece of paper do? Uh, the piece of paper says that... Uh, the undersigned MD or whatever alphabet soup he says determines that uh, the job that the guy was doing would cause uh, intense emotional distress and therefore is not recommended for a person who's a Vietnam veteran to be watching Vietnam documentaries all day long. And so therefore he had a good excuse to quit that job. See, that's what a welfare agent would require the worker to do. I'm not quite you know sure. So I'm he needs a piece of paper in order to get on the welfare. Say he quit his job. Since he quit his job and he needs to go on welfare, he oh. needs a piece of paper to document that. Is yeah, that he, and he would have to go and spend money, and, and whereas a private charity could just listen to what happened there. Right, and they wouldn't need oh, the piece of paper. They wouldn't need the I expensive see. doctor to give the note. Yeah. Okay. Got well, it, got it. Tom, about, thanks for the call, yeah. man. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Took me a little bit on that one. Well, it's it's basically just to get on the welfare dole. You're talking about several different um, bureaucrats who are being paid a good-sized salary. There's a doctor bureaucrat giving the piece of paper and the person referring them to them and probably someone referring them to that person. Several different people that are on the dole just to get this person their welfare money. And that's one of the reasons that it's such a high overhead. We talk about 70% of the money going out to welfare is going to middle-class bureaucrats. Right. They've got forms to process. That's what it's all about. I mean, Mark, you, you're sort of experiencing a little bit of this right now. It's not necessarily welfare, but it's certainly an experience with government and their bureaucracy. silly uh, hoops and bureaucracy and forms and right. requirements. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to uh, build a, a house on a piece of land and uh, you know here nearby Keene, and um, it, it, it's amazing. In order to uh, be able to build a house on the commercial property, I have to go get a rejection letter from you know, the zoning guy or whatever, so that I can take the reje- rejection letter to the zoning board in order to get a special exception. Um, you, so you, you know, can't just go to the board right. and say, I'd I'm like to get build told a house. no before I can get told yes. It's it's amazing. And I can't get told no until I get a letter from, um, you know, the, uh, the the people that own the property currently in order to get, uh, to be eligible to be told no so that I can be eligible to be told yes. So you have to get a letter from the people that own the property currently to, expressing what? What is it that that letter is supposed to do? That I have the... Uh, that I'm looking at the property. You're interested I guess. in the property. Right. I, you know, and so, like, you're valid. You're not just some guy coming in wasting the bureaucrat's time. God knows. Uh, so then you've got this uh, this piece of paper from the property owners. You take it to one bureaucrat. He looks at it. Is supposed to reject you. And, and who knows how long this takes. Right. Um, it, and what we're talking about here. You give it to bring it to that one bureaucrat, and he rejects you. Then you bring it to the zoning board, and then hopefully they'll approve it. Which, of course, they could just say no, and then you're back to square one. But uh, I mean, that that bureaucratic mess is happening in a town of fifteen hundred people. Yeah, I think it's like seventeen or eighteen hundred. But yes, that, I mean, that's insanity. I'm just trying to register my car. It's been taking me weeks. Just uh, still working on that. Well, huh? The the title's been lost, and so and it's it's thirteen year old car. But apparently, you need a title to register it, and 
I work during the enti- all the times when the the bureaucrat office is open. So there are plenty of people. Really difficult. Well, they, and they don't care. You know, they uh, they're not well, interested. In, their car is running fine. Right. They don't have to stay open late for you. And it's um, crazy. You have to quit. You have to not work for a day to actually go and jump through all their hoops. I'm yep. actually having to put the car in my mother's name so that she can continually go to the office to try to get it registered. It's already been several trips for her. It would have been three days I would have had to take off from work so far just to still not have the title. Yeah, and I still don't have I still don't have my car registered after and my mom's it's in her name now and she's still trying to get a registration right now it's a temporary registration which actually costs extra money and it's it's just insanity the the hoops that they want you to jump through. Well, thank goodness we uh we've got all those hoops out there otherwise it'd be anarchy. 800-259-9231. People be driving around unregistered cars. <laughs> Let's go to the phones. Ampline Chuck in Nevada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey Chuck. Hey hey, speaking of the DMV, I just got a notice saying they couldn't um Nevada has a little deal where the insurance companies have to let the state know whether people have insurance or not. And if you don't okay. have insurance when your car is registered, it's a $250 fine. Mm. Okay. So uh, they sent me a little notice saying they couldn't figure out if I had insurance since 2006, you know, uh, May in 2006. So now I have to go, you know, go figure out where the paperwork's at and go send it all in. And so now you have to... Now you have to prove to them that you have the insurance right. that your so insurance company... So much for company... innocent until proven guilty. It's, yeah. it's very interesting that you don't know this bureaucrat. Write me back when you have more information. Good day. <laughs> you know, I mean, innocent until proven guilty, you don't have any re- obligation to respond to these people. What are you, thre- what are you being threatened with? Oh, a $250 fine if they sit. And here's the thing. I bought the motorcycle, and I may not have gotten insurance for a week or two. So I guess they could say, well, you didn't have insurance those first, for, for first couple days. But so, you um, weren't necessarily driving it. It doesn't matter, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've the been... paperwork was not filed, Toby. It like... does not matter if the, the individual is actually <laughs> doing said accusation. I had a car that they had. To, they were trying to charge me this, and I just sold the car. I said, "Forget it. I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to bother with that." Amazing. Hang on, Chuck. I know you were calling for a different reason. We'll bring you back. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Holy jeez. I just realized that New Hampshire doesn't even require insurance. How on earth does society continue to function? I mean, in Nevada, you have to jump through all these hoops and show them paperwork and prove that you've got the insurance and everything. But we don't It's have anarchy, to, Ian. We don't have to do that here in New Hampshire, and everything's okay. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features there are completely free, and that includes live streams. Broadband version of the show, dial-up version, both of them waiting for you, completely free. Freetalklive.com. Wouldn't it be great to have an ex-narcotics officer be your personal coach on how to keep from getting busted with marijuana? Go to NeverGetBusted.com to view clips of the recently released DVD that's gained world attention. NeverGetBusted.com. Let's go back to the phones, back to Chuck in Nevada. You're back on Free Talk Live. Yeah, so with that DMV thing, um, they sent you a little postcard, and I uh, wrote a bunch of Free Talk Live on it, and I wrote Downsize DC and a bunch of other stuff, so Mm. we'll see if anything comes of that. (laughs) Very Uh, good. But I I called in because I was was listening to the radio show, uh, one of the local conservative talk show hosts, and I just had to turn it off. Okay. Uh, he was talking about Ron Paul, and the, he says uh, Ron Paul won't get elected because he doesn't look the part. <laughs> oh, 
I said, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there's all these people who love Ron Paul. One of the callers called and said, hey, you didn't even bring up Ron Paul. And if all these people who like him and enjoyed him actually voted for him, you know, it would be very easy to get him in. Yeah. It, it is possible for Ron Paul to win, and as far as yeah. him not looking like the part, why, why is it that uh, Ron Paul is in, in, what is he, early 70s, I believe he is, uh, like 71 or something like that? They're all a bunch of old men, old white guys. What, exactly. Why is he less presidential than the rest of them? I, I think that uh, maybe the uh, Fred Thompson guy has a jump on everybody else here in this particular arena, because he's actually, you know, he's an actor, and he's actually played the president once before. <laughs> so, so maybe he looks a little more presidential. But you can't tell me that McCain or Romney, Romney with his weird hair, any of these guys looks particularly uh, presidential beyond. And then whoever this commentator is that, uh, you know, it, it, what makes him the kingmaker? He's just yeah. some jackbull on television. He's on a micro. He's on a radio station. He's so right. angry, I can't not listen to him anymore. I and shut him off, and I don't listen. I, I, I understand what he's saying. Is all he needs to do is watch um, Ron Paul on the Daily Show from is it last night or the night last before? Last night, yeah. Um, you t- tell me that guy doesn't look presidential. Tell me. I mean, he answers. He's oh with John Stewart the whole way. He's cracking jokes with him. Now, obviously, the, the uh, professional comedian's a little funnier than Ron is, but he's cracking jokes with the comedian. He's completely comfortable. He is not, this is Bob Dole, and I'm weird and stiff. You know, I mean, yeah. it's none of he that. He's smiling, enjoying I mean, himself. You know, you know, he's 71 or whatever he is. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. he's, so he's older, but he's you- doing great. If you're going to vote and you like this guy, vote for him. Don't just say, oh, well, nobody, he's not going to win. You know, vote for him. I'm going to vote for him. You're going to vote for I him. I sure hope wasted vote, vote syndrome does not affect Ron Paul. Uh, There's no reason I'm for that. If Republicans, if Libertarians for a second believe that they're wasting their vote, after George Bush, after eight years of George Bush... If people think they're wasting their votes, they're out of their minds. Well, there's no there's no excuse for wasted vote in this instance, because the usual excuse with wasted vote is, well, I'm not going to vote for the Libertarian because there's no chance he'll win. Well, with Ron Paul, there is a chance he could win. He's right. in the race with all those other guys. And the, and, other, and the other two candidates are equally as bad. I mean, really, it's it's just two different, uh, you know, devils. It, they're but so awful. You guys have brought me to Liberty, and it's the only reason is because of you. I was listening to some of the archives, and you know your show used to be a little bit different, a little less mature, and <laughs> you guys have matured so much, you know, over time. It, it's turned out really great. I think you guys get better every day. Thank um, you. I just got my Liberty cards in the mail the other day, and they're awesome conversation starters to get people thinking about stuff. And I've just been using them active. too. And um, the Ron Paul cards, I think I'm going to order some of those and uh, start passing those out, too. Very cool. Chuck, keep up the good work, and thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. And by the way, we didn't bring you to Liberty. You brought yourself to Liberty. Um, we just presented the ideas. 1-800-259-9231. He's talking about our sponsor, by the way, LibertyCard.org. Darn it. We need to learn this stuff. <laughs> you know, there's the one we don't You're do a lot of this, for. Mark. Yeah, I absolutely am. Oh, there's a banner right on the website. Yes. <laughs> Go there. There is the banner on our website, <laughs> freetalklive.com. Give me a second and I'll get there and if let you you're know. A, if you're a Free Talk Live listener and you tell uh, Corey, the man behind the scenes there, about that, then uh, you will get free shipping on the Liberty Cards. And uh, it's got Chuck's endorsement, 800-259-9231. You take control. Bit of good news. Two courts, uh, two court cases. One good, one not so great. First one, you want the good one first. I take it, right, Mark? I like good news, yeah. The Minnesota Supreme Court ruled... Oh, wait, that's the bad one. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, the good news is that the Federal Communications Commission has been smacked down... 
by a court decision in, oh, I believe, Oh, this New is York excellent State. news. I saw this, too. I, yeah. I have this on uh, for show prep also. Today, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals in New York said the use of the words F and S by Cher and Nicole Ritchie was not indecent. Now, by the way, this is going to this is actually the chairman. The uh, Kevin Martin is the chairperson of the Federal Communications Commission. These are his Hold on words. A second. LibertyCard.org. Thank you, LibertyCard.org. That's what I thought it was. Yep. Anyway, Kevin Martin, right. the uh, chairman of the commission, responding to the court here. He says, "I completely disagree with the court's ruling, and I'm disappointed for American families." I find it hard to believe that the New York court would tell American families that S and F are fine to say on broadcast television during the hours when children are most likely to be in the audience. Because, you know, kids, they've never heard these words before, and we can't have them on television set. Well, uh, just just speaking for myself, I happened to hear the F word when I was six years old. Um, I can remember knowing a good a good amount of curse words by third grade. You know, I, I well, I mean, I happen to know those two, and I, I'd heard the S word probably, I'd probably actually heard my parents say that. I'd never heard my parents say the F word, and I'm sure that I'm uh, in the minority of Americans whose <laughs> parents probably just didn't cuss, period. My dad did, my mom I didn't hear her say a single cuss word while I was 12 years old, mm. um, so I was I was pretty sure she didn't. Um, but you know, I don't think that it's going to ruin everything. And you're res- you're responsible for what your kids listen to. You, America, you you are responsible for what your kids listen to. But the commissioner, I am not. The commissioner is concerned, Mark, because these are live programs. The commissioner programs. is a bureaucrat who makes money by, by being concerned. The, the, of course he's concerned. He's concerned that somebody's going to figure out that his job is worthless and that he does nothing for a living. That's what he's concerned about. Wow. You're really on a roll tonight, Mark. <laughs> I am good. I'm good at this, he's this, this show would be nothing tonight. without me. Yeah. <laughs> We did fine without you last week. Yeah. The court even says the commission is uh, divorced from reality. It is the New York court, not the commission, that's divorced from reality and concluding that the word F, which, by the way, he's writing it in his paper. I'm censoring it for obvious reasons. ABC News censored it on their websites, but the uh, the commissioner here is liberally using the terms F and S. What if children got a hold of his paper? They very right. well could. Thank goodness ABC censored it because those kids on the Internet might have seen him. Because you know they've never seen those words online before, not on their friends' blogs or anything like that. Yeah, MySpace pages; those words aren't there. Uh, let's see. He says that it's divorced from reality. The court is in concluding that the F word does not invoke a sexual connotation. I, I well, think that's. I don't know. It, it doesn't. It's a, probably the last thing it invokes. There are so <laughs> many different. Uh, there are so many different ways to use the F word, and mo- a good, probably majority of them don't actually involve sexual connotation. I'd say a super majority of the. How about the most frequent one? F U. Where's the sexual connotation there? None. Uh, the only time there's a sexual connotation is when you're talking about, you know, mother effer or I want to F you. And, and here's or, here's what I don't understand is radio shows and, and television shows and all kinds of um, programs have been getting around this by using some other term they'll, uh, around it. So that instead of saying flip F you. you, they say flock you like yeah. sheep or whatever. But they you're still thinking some, it. Yeah, sure. It's and everyone knows. Thing. Right. Everyone Why? knows. What difference does it make? Well, there's a little bit more about the, uh, the FCC and your calls as well about anything. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp. 
www.freetalklive.com. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the SACL CAI toll free line. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll free. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free. So enjoy those on us, including the bulletin board system. Over 240,000 posts. Over 1,400 people interacting. Lots of fun, serious issues, and fun stuff. You'll find it all. And it's all for free. bbs.freetalklive.com. That is bbs. FreeTalkLive.com. Pop quiz. What do Washington politics and libertarianism have in common? Answer, very little. Prometheus Institute is looking to make a real impact in Washington. Not in 40 years, but right now. To find out what makes the Prometheus Institute different from all of the other flatwater political think tanks, visit ReadPI.com. That's ReadPI.com. Com. I think they've got some good ideas over there. Yeah, I was I was uh, checking out their website today, and they got some pretty neat articles. Uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of the political swing that they have, but it's, a lot of our minarchist listeners are going to love it. Uh, but what I really like that they have, and it's right up my alley, well, is we're their, all heading down the same path. Well, so. they've got a cultural section there that mm-hmm. has nothing whatsoever to do with politics. It's just sort of their writers' opinions on culture. And and uh, I came across a, a story today about women in makeup, which we just happened to talk about recently. And they their opinions echo mine, that women are truly the most beautiful when they aren't caking crap all over their face. I think some people would agree and some people disagree. But, you know, thanks for your opinion. I'm just telling you, I found some great content on readpi.com. Yep. It's good, it is good content. All right, 800-259-9231. So in the middle of uh, the story about the FCC's reaction to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals in New York that has ruled that the use of the F-word and the S-word on national television during, I think it was like an awards broadcast, in this case Cher and Nicole Ritchie were under question, uh, that that it's completely okay, that it's not indecent. They're fleeting instances. They're certainly not used uh, for pandering purposes. And the it's, it's not. This isn't a license to uh, broadcast television to just go and drop the S and the um, right. the F the S bomb any old time they want. But they're saying in these particular instances where people accidentally said the F bomb on live television that. No, there's no reason to go and find these people, and the FCC needs to just back off. Exactly right. But these are the words of the FCC's commissioner, uh, the chairperson, Kevin Martin. Here's uh, what he has to say. He says, these words were used in prime time (laughs) where children were watching. And giving us $350,000 would fix that. By the way, this is a this is the guy, and that's the amount of fine. By the way, for one instance, right? That's you the know, fine and it's, as to think that that matters. I mean, yeah, yeah I understand that there's, uh, you know, that it's it's a nominal punishment or something, but you're, it's not like you're giving the money to do anything yeah. good. How does hey, it help people? Right. Let's let's it take doesn't. that three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. What's his name, Michael? Michael? Uh, who? What's what? his name? Michael? Oh, oh Kevin. Kevin. Kevin Martin. Kevin, we're going to take that three hundred and fifty thousand dollars that we would have given the money, and we're going to give it to charity. Something that, be that okay actually does him. something. Oh, that should be okay with him, right? So no, he th- wants the money for himself. He's a greedy bureaucrat. But he's all concerned with the children. No, so what if he's we not. A, he's lying what if to we, you. What if we picked a children's charity? He doesn't care. He wants the money for the FCC. Children, uh, children's charity the that'll FCC protect kids. The FCC does so much more for children than, yeah, right. oh, I don't know, St. Jude's or something. 
But our children were watching. He says, ironically, the court implies that the existence of blocking technologies is one reason the FCC shouldn't be so concerned. But even a vigilant parent using current blocking technology, such as the V-chip, couldn't have avoided this language because they rely on the program's rating. And in this case, the programs were rated appropriate for family viewing. Oh, oh, oh. oh my oh, God. Of children gonna hear curse it makes me words. wonder, has he ever, if you're, if you're feeling your a kid's heads full of the garbage that was going on at one of these, um, you know, award shows, uh, actors award shows, you deserve it. Right. <laughs> has, is he a, is he a crystal saint? Has he ever sworn in front of a child before? It, well, he's written the F and S word <laughs> at least ten times in this, <laughs> this uh, document that he wrote up. That reminds me, um, I don't think I cussed in this particular instance, but I had my uh, younger nephew, and he wasn't really my nephew, but we called him my nephew. He was uh, my fiance's uh, younger, his her nephew. And he was in the back of the car, and Rush Limbaugh came on. And so I began screaming at the uh, radio, as usual. I, I generally go down the road screaming at the radio. Well, the poor kid's, like, strapped in a child seat in the back. He's, like, looking at me, he's like, oh, Mark's going crazy. I'm like, oh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> So the final word from the uh, commissioner is, if there was ever an appropriate time for commission action, this was it. If we can't prohibit the use of the words F and S during prime time, Hollywood will be able to say anything they want. Whenever they want. No, they oh, right. No. They can say it, but you don't have to listen. You and your family have the opportunity to turn this crap off and not listen. And I believe the networks... I didn't hear them say it, but by the way. Somehow my pure little ears managed to miss this primetime dropping, share dropping the F-bomb and the S-bomb on television. Somehow I managed to make it past. Why? Because I wasn't watching that tripe. Right, and it is total tripe. I mean, the uh, the Hollywood hoes getting up on stage wearing next to nothing. I yeah, mean, if I think there's far worse things in that program than those words that are said <laughs> right. if you're going to have your yeah. kids watching it. Yep, probably the case. And and I believe the industry's response to um, this was that they decided to put more of their live events on, on delay. Um, I guess some of their live events were not running on delay, and now they're running on a five to seven second delay in the event that somebody utters a dirty word. Dear God, can you imagine? They can drop it out. But also, I think if parents are concerned, then parents need to understand that in a live event... There's a increased chance that there's going to be something naughty said. If you're if you're dealing with a pre-recorded television show like a sitcom, they've edited that. They know that there's not any uh, content in there that's questionable. But with a live program, you're always at risk. Always. In fact, there's a you know there's a risk that somebody's going to utter one of those words here on Free Talk Live. And thank goodness for this uh, court decision because it makes me feel a lot better about it when it happens. Not that you know we're going to let you get away with it or anything like that. We still no. have to be careful. We still have to protect our station's licenses. But nonetheless, and the rule still stands. If you drop the f bomb or the s bomb on our um, air, you're, you're gone. Yep. Goodbye. Unless you own a radio station. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if if you've ever watched a live football game or something, they have those little the satellite things picking up the sounds on the field. Mm -hmm. If you listen closely, you're gonna hear a, a whole lot of words. You might oh, I like it questionable when you, words. I like it when you can't hear the words during a football game, but they've got a you know a tight shot on the coach right. as he <laughs> see his mouth. Mother yeah, you know he's, he's just going off. You know exactly I love what that he said. crap. Yeah. <laughs> the best one for that was that guy from Indiana with the white hair, Tommy Knight. Knight was his name. Oh my God, he was insane. <laughs> you don't yep. have, the basketball coach. You don't have any idea who I'm talking about uh, here? I don't. I don't watch much TV. I, yeah. But <laughs> Sorry, Mark. <laughs> he was great. Uh, as part of the March 15th, this is I. 
don't believe... This is actually the article at this point. As part of the March 15, 2006 Omnibus Indecency Order, the FCC determined that the 2003 and 2002 Billboard Music Awards broadcasts were indecent and profane. During the Music Awards, Cher made the following comment. I've had unbelievable support in my life, and I've worked really hard. I've had great people to work with. Oh, yeah, you know what? I've also had critics for the last 40 years saying that I was on my way out every year. Is that right. Cher? Yes, it's Cher. Uh, yeah, Cher really is an icon. <laughs> right. She throws it in their face every year. I she love said, her. So, F them. <laughs> I still have a job, and they don't. During the 2003 Billboard Awards, Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie took the uh, the stage. Now, if you've got Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie on stage, you should know at that point that there's a chance something's going to be said. They're just, you know, they're just trashy tramps. And if and, you're a parent with your kids watching that show... Right. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother repeating what they said. They're just dumb. I mean, you know, Paris Hilton, uh, I, I just saw a clip today where... Um, Gosh, all these uh, Silverman, um, I can't remember. Sarah Silverman? Sarah Silverman, the uh, comedian, was ripping on Paris Hilton while Paris Hilton was in the crowd. Mm -hmm. I don't know where this was. It was just a YouTube thing. MTV, yeah. And it was so funny. Paris could not take it. She was just... You know, she was she was not taking the ripping at all. It was 60 seconds. If she would have just been gracious about the whole thing, yeah. let it slide off of her, like water off a duck's back, no big deal. I mean, it's a comedian. She's supposed to make people laugh. But whatever. So a uh, very successful court decision in this particular case. The FCC has been slapped down. I don't know. It doesn't mention here if they're going to appeal this decision. I don't know if it's possible for them to do it. Presumably it would be because this was a New York court. Um, So it may go up the chain. But nonetheless, for now, TV companies and uh, station owners are probably breathing a sigh of relief. As you should be as well, as uh, your freedoms are not quite in total peril in regards to freedom of speech. More on the way, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the... SACL CAI toll free line for you, 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features are for free. Though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So it doesn't matter if you're looking to buy a brand new laptop for yourself, as some of our listeners have done, or... uh, Video game systems, video games, some books, some uh, movies, furniture, office products. I mean, really, if it's something that's for sale at a retail store, it'll be for sale at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Odds are good. You'll get a better price and also great Super Saver shipping deals in many cases. And you can feel good because a percentage of your purchase, and a decent one at that, is going to Free Talk Live. So head over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and get your shopping done. Now, I said I had a second court case for you. The first one was the good news about the FCC being slapped down by a New York court in regards to uh, so-called obscenity and indecency. Makes me feel better. Then there's this little bit of news from the Minnesota Supreme Court that ruled May 24th that police need only articulable suspicion, not the standard of probable cause, which what? is a higher standard. Well, let me tell you what they need it for. But not the higher standard of probable cause to be able to use a drug-sniffing dog to sniff outside the door of a person's residence. The 5-2 decision sparked bitter dissent. 
The ruling came in Minnesota versus Davis, in which Burnsville police were informed by maintenance workers in an apartment complex that they thought that they saw marijuana grow lights and that Evans would not let them go into the apartment to fix a water leak. Hmm. Based on that information, police brought a drug dog to the location and the dog reacted outside of the apartment door. Police then used maintenance workers' information, the drug dog alert, and Davis's past criminal record to obtain a search warrant, which resulted in the finding of various items of contraband and three drug charges against Davis. So, a little more here. At trial, Davis moved to suppress the evidence, arguing the police needed probable cause to stick a drug dog on his apartment door because the drug dog sniff of his door exterior actually amounted to a search of his apartment, thus requiring probable cause. He lost at, uh, lost at the trial court, which concluded that police needed only articulable suspicion and had met that standard. The Minnesota Court of Appeals affirmed that, and now the state Supreme Court has reaffirmed it. While the state constitution requires the courts to balance individuals' privacy interests against the public's interest in effective law enforcement, the state Supreme Court held that the intrusion into Davis's privacy was so minimal as to not require the higher standard of probable cause. The only intrusion into his privacy occurred because the dog could sniff what the public could not. However, the intrusion, in their opinion, is minimal. Now, does so, this mean they can go so, right up to your door? I mean, if you if you live off the street, they can come on your property and have a drug dog sniff outside your door? Is this just if, because it was in an apartment building? If I think they that have, this is because it was an apartment building. No, this is any person's residence. Now, it made it easier for them because it was an apartment building because the maintenance crew was trying to get in and do some maintenance. He wouldn't let them in, so that's what sparked the whole controversy in the first place. But uh, this could happen to anyone's residence as long as the cops have what they consider reasonable, articulable suspicion. I don't think it's so. When you rent your apartment, you don't rent the the hallway in front of it. You rent from the door on back. So Mm -hmm. the um, police were completely within their rights if the maintenance workers invite them on the property to walk their dog, walk the dog right next to the door. Now, when you're talking about my property, if you bring your dog up to my front door, um, you've You've come. You're on the property. Yeah, you've come a great deal onto the property. But so what? There's no pr- um, there's no prevention on trespassing on the police. They can trespass all they want. It's I their, don't know who says they do. They're searching with the dog though. Once well, they're, they're, they at that point they violate. It's different. It's got to be different when it comes to a home than it does to an apartment. The decision. The decision is that a drug dog could sniff outside the door of a person's residence, and the police have the ability to waltz around your property looking in windows and stuff. Mark. No, they don't. Yes, they do. No, they, they do don't. It. They do it. They can shoot. They do it because they're trespassing, and you can't get anybody who's um, to enforce that trespassing rule because there are so no cops for cops. So they can do it. But no, no, they can't because if you take them to court and you say, and they said, that, oh, I looked in the window. He had a sign that said no trespassing, and I looked in the window and I saw such and such. Then I say that he's, you know, definitely gone beyond. Fine, Mark. Okay, let's put this into a, you know, the, re- the world of the real where mm-hmm. the police can do whatever they want, okay, because that's what the real world is like. Um so let's say that the police, for some reason, are really respectful towards your property rights. Well, then in this case, if we go if we go by what happened in the in the uh, Minnesota case, all the cops had was a couple maintenance workers saying, "Hey, we think we see grow, we think we see grow lights." That's all the cops had. Oh yeah, the guy won't let us in. Well, I I feel I, like that was I don't enough feel like to bring anything, the dog by. I, but there's nothing. There's nothing. They didn't do anything wrong. Who didn't do anything? The wrong? cops. Because if it's in a in an apartment building and it's in a common they hallway, they didn't search this guy's house. Allowed to be. Yes, they did. They, they got didn't a go on his property. 
He rents a certain amount of property. That is that property from okay. the door back. I understand you're getting all upset here, Mark, but let's again, let's go back to reality where the police are going to essentially they have some allegation against you. In this case, the allegation was from the security this case, The case that I'm talking to you about is different than the case that um, this one you know occurred in. They didn't search anything that wasn't already that that belonged to this dude. They didn't search anything. They searched outside his door, which didn't belong to him. I understand. And you're going to say that on your property, the property belongs to you, and so therefore they shouldn't be able to do these things. And I would I would love to agree with you. I just don't think that it would work that way in reality. Because look at what they've done here, Mark, and then follow me on this, and then you can get all upset. Uh, what they did was they had an allegation by by these workers. I understand. They used that allegation as mm-hmm. their excuse to bring the dog up to this man's front door. Now, why couldn't they use a similar allegation against you? Somebody says, hey, I was in uh, this guy's house installing cable the other day, and uh, I smelled something funny in that back room. I could swear he's got a marijuana grow operation going on in there. So what they do is... If if these cops respect your property, which we all know they don't, but if they respected no. your property, the cops could just bring the dog on the outside of your property line and say, oh, look, looks like Fido's alerting on this property. There's drugs somewhere on this property. I mean, I'm looking my finger here. Wind's blowing in this direction. It's coming from that. It's coming from that house. Looks like we're going to have to get a warrant here. The dog says there's something coming from that property. We're going to go and get a warrant. I mean, the same thing can happen just because the dog's not at your front door doesn't mean they're not going to walk a dog up to your property and say, what you got there, Fido? Anything going on in that house? Up, oh, sounds like a yes. Okay, let's go get that warrant. Of course, the judge is going to rubber stamp it because oh, I mean it's right. a drug dog. The drug dogs are always right. right. Never false positive. Right, we'll stamp that warrant. Send the cops out there with a the warrant. They're going to come into your house that time, and you damn well going to let them in that time, right, aren't you? Because if you start shooting, then you're in big trouble. The cops are going to come in. Maybe the guy was wrong. Maybe he smelled your uh, your herbal tomato garden or something like that. They walk in. They discover that you don't actually have any marijuana. They break some crap in the process of looking right you know maybe they'll take your tomato plants just to make sure you know i think you're right with this ruling um with this ruling that they've you know the, the way they've worded it because the case is so messed up um they've managed to infringe on rights a little bit more right they've right. given they've given the police more power to use their dogs that's what they've done here and it's not good. And it, it, to me, it's total insanity because police dogs, I've heard people say that they false positive almost as much as they're... they're Barry, Cooper, Bo, Barry Cooper on his video showed how he got dogs to fall, false positive. He showed it. All you have to do is go to neverbegetbusted.com and he will show you. Yep. So how is a drug dog's barking and signaling probable cause for a search if he's false it, positive? That's just that's just the problem here is that the the courts continue to rule more and more powers to the police. It's not Toby. It's just it's essentially no more than an allegation. It's just as much of an allegation as uh, the, you know the maintenance workers yeah. saying they thought they saw something. This is the dog saying I think I smell something. I mean in police there. dogs. They're crazy. You, you see the police cars driving up and down Main Street. The dogs head out the window barking the entire yeah, right. time. What's that <laughs> mean? Shut up. <laughs> here, uh, here is the dissenting opinion. Uh, yeah, here we go. Um, when we balance the minimal intrusion, or no, this this is still the uh, non-dissenting opinion. When we balance the minimal intrusion on the defendant's privacy interest inside his residence against the governmental interest in the use of narcotics detection dogs as an investigative tool to combat drug uh, drug crime, we conclude that the police needed a reasonable, articulable suspicion to walk a narcotics detection dog down the common hallway outside of the department or the apartment. Now they the, there they just made a comment about the common hallway. Now this is yeah. where this is where I think there's a problem here with this. 
is I, they do make the ruling. Like you said, the, the short version of the ruling is that, that is all they need is articulable suspicion. And according to them, the report from the maintenance workers, nothing more than an allegation, rose to the level of articulable suspicion. So I agree. that was enough to bring the dog on the property. When you're talking about common hallways. Right. And that road out in front of your house, common road. Well, look, if you can, if you claim that you can have a uh, drug dog, depending on the uh, distance of the property, I'm, I'm leaving a uh, house where you have They're to be awfully sensitive, several Mark. feet awfully um, sensitive. yards away from um, the house in order to be able to sm- you know, smell the door. Um, you know, that would be crazy. And I'm buying a house where it's going to be several hundred yards. Um, from the, the property of the door. The dissent says uh, the dissenting judge said the case marks a significant departure from our constitutional jurisprudence because it's the first time the court has authorized the search of a private residence based on anything less than probable cause in the absence of exigent circumstances, a la a murderer running into a house. Uh, it's a departure that takes us down a road that erodes the Fourth Amendment protections in one's home. Hour three is coming up. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. As we launch into hour number three of the program, it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Let's start things out tonight by talking about, uh, apparently, a man who is now the head of the GOP in, is it Arkansas, Toby? Is that where this guy is at? That is correct. Now, it's appropriate, considering it's the Republican debate night, and uh, I don't know, I have, we've yet to have any uh, word yet on how Ron Paul performed. This has nothing to do with Ron Paul, but it does have a lot to do with the man who's in charge of the entire Republican Party of the state of Arkansas. What did this guy say? Well, this from the Raw story. Arkansas GOP head, we need more attacks on America's soil so people appreciate Bush. This is this is total insanity. Yeah. In his first interview as chairman of the Arkansas Republican Party, Dennis Milligan told a reporter that America needs to be attacked by terrorists so that people will appreciate the work oh. President Bush has done to protect the country. Quote, at the end of the day, I believe fully the president is doing the right thing. And I think all we need is some attacks on American soil like we had on September 11th, uh, Milgram <laughs> told the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And the naysayers will come around very quickly to appreciate not only the commitment for President Bush, but the sacrifice that has been made by men and women to protect this country. What, Mil- was he drunk at the time he said that? I, I don't know, but he, oh, he's I newly think he's, elected. I think he's right. What? I think that. Oh, I think if there are attacks, that if the Republicans you, would be in office. Exactly. And if you want George Bush to look awesome and everything that he's been doing to oh, intrude on, wait, oh, wait, 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 they good. got. Wait a minute. They got away with it on September 11th because it had never happened before. But if another terrorism uh, thing happens, then it'll just be more evidence uh, piled on the plate that the government is absolutely useless at preventing them. Well, that's what. To you, it would look like that, but to I'm sure the I'm majority the of one. the American people, I don't know. No. I, look, you know, we elected re, the, Bush got reelected based on the fact that uh, you know the terrorist level went to magenta. <sighs> We're at terrorist level mob. Everybody run. Oh, and, is that and, the you know, bad nothing one? Nothing happened. You mean- 
Even it was oh oh scary level. I don't so, know. Oh yeah, which scare one. tactics. It's all about scare tactics. And this guy just basically thinks that there's there's not enough uh, out there to show people what what we really need all this for. Why we need all this intrusion into liberty. He he's essentially saying that we should have some American lives be sacrificed so that we to can terror. Appreci- yes. So we can appreciate what this politician's doing. Milligan, who was elected as the new chair of the Arkansas Republican Party just two weeks ago, also told the newspaper that he is, quote, 150% behind Bush in the war in Iraq. In his acceptance speech on May 19th, Milligan told fellow Republicans that it was, quote, time for a rediscovery of our values and our common and common <laughs> right. sense. Our, our values, blowing people apart so that uh, we can get, uh, you know, big government Republicans put in, put in office. Well, as long as it happens in a blue state. Yeah. It's... I mean, honestly, how can you how listen can so to callous? a guy like this? How can how can he get away with saying this? Not only as uh, a GOP, but the head of the GOP in all of Arkansas getting away with saying this. Well, I guess he's the brightest and the best in Arkansas. 800-259-9231. That's not fair. And I know he, he probably... calls it common sense. It's 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 just not what I think of that when I like think of common sense. Me. I think you're, you were right in that uh, that term. That's nutso. That guy's crazy. Uh, speaking of insanity, uh, insanity would be another example of the police killing yet another military veteran. I mean, for all of the uh, GOP and the the uh, politicians and the Democrats and all those guys, for all their talk about how they really appreciate their military veterans, I think you were listening to uh, some of the debate during the break, and you happened to tune into one of the parts where John McCain was saying the usual pandering crap. Mm-hmm. Somebody had asked him a question about their, you know, their brother who was in the military. Thank, thank you for your service, uh, uh, your sacrifice, and blah, blah. You know, they all f- pretend to care so much about these military veterans. It wasn't too long ago that we had a story out of Delaware where there was a uh, police death squad that essentially showed up at a military veteran, the house that he was staying at. He had come back um, from serving in Iraq, and he had joined a he joined up with a bike club, a motorcycle club, mm-hmm. and had uh, been doing some charitable work, for like Toys for Tots or something like that. And, uh, that's apparently, exactly the, what it was. apparently the bike club was under investigation for running drugs uh, or some allegation like that. Which, by the way, this guy was completely clear of. He wasn't involved in anything like that. But nope. nonetheless, he was being watched by the cops. The cops approached him uh, undercover. Multiple cops surrounded him uh, at the. Right where he was on the front door, right outside the front door of his home, in front of other people in the neighborhood, and executed this man. Right, they tasered him, they shot him, and um, then shot him while he was lying on his. He belly. was complying, uh, doing his best to comply with their commands, even while he was being tasered. And then one man came up and shot him. One of the cops came up and shot him three times in the chest. Well, now it has happened again. And I believe they were all cleared of charges for that. Of all, yes, wrongdoing. one of them was. Uh, I think one of them was given like a medal of honor or something yeah. like that. But it has happened again, this time in, let's see, where was this? Uh, it was in Maryland, Southern Maryland. Uh, and I'm not going to go into all the backstory. This is from LewRockwell.com. There's an extended backstory on this gentleman. His name was Jamie Dean, uh, James Emmerich Dean. He was shot and killed by a Maryland State Police sharpshooter during a standoff. Now, the despondent Dean had just received orders of deployment to Iraq. And he simply wanted to be left alone. Now, it's important to understand that uh, Mr. Dean has post-traumatic stress disorder. He's already been to Iraq before. 
He's seen his buddies die, he's gone through the hell that is war, and he's got PTSD as a result. And he's a pretty messed up mm. dude. You know, he came back, he's doing a lot of drinking, he's he's depressed, he's in an awful he's in awful mental shape as a result of going to this war. Right. But he doesn't have these physical disorders, like he didn't have a limb blown off or something, so it's no, less recognizable, it's all mental. so it's time to go back. Right, it's all mental, so they're bringing him back, and he was a, he became even more depressed than he normally was as a result of getting this news. He then, you know, started drinking even more than normal, and at that point, I'm summarizing here, he lost it, proceeded to trash his house, broke glasses, hit furniture, told his girlfriend the next time she saw him he'd be in a body bag. He angrily smashed a large mirror that hung above the couch before storming off to his dad's place in the woods. And that's where we will pick up the story here. Uh, according to the investigation, he called his sister at approximately 9.10 at night, telling her he just can't do it anymore. Hearing a gunshot and fearing her brother had just committed suicide, Jamie's sister made a check-the-welfare call to 911. And that was a critical mistake. Mm. Don't, leave it, don't leave the welfare of your loved ones to the police. Please don't. Because something awful might just happen as a result of it. Right. If you care about your friend or your family member, get in your car and drive to wherever he or she is to check on him yourself or call a neighbor or call somebody you trust who's in the area to stop by and check on him. Do not call the cops. Because shortly after 10 p.m., the deputy sheriff, Mor- uh, Sheriff Morley, approached the home of Joseph Dean where despondent Jamie Dean was barricaded alone inside. He proceeded to tell Jamie to come outside so he could see that he was all right. Agitated and intoxicated, Jamie indicated that he would comply but ultimately refused to do so. During this time frame, the Maryland State Trooper Sughart made contact with Muriel, his girlfriend, who informed him about about Jamie's military status and mental illnesses, and indicated that there were up to 12 shotguns and possibly a black powder gun in the house. Surrounding residents were soon evacuated from the area. This is is what the cop sees this. Um, Every time a cop hears about a firearm now, they're sort of trained that now you're dealing with somebody who's armed and dangerous. Somehow here in New Hampshire, you can walk around with a gun in your hip and you're not armed and dangerous. But, you know, it, it's like you're carrying a bomb. You're a terrorist if you own a gun. It's a completely different call if there's a gun involved. It's Yep. So at first they were just checking his welfare. Then they were informed that there were guns in the house. All of a sudden now right. it's a situation where everyone has to be evacuated the whole from neighborhood the neighborhood. has to be evacuated. So then, uh, let's see, surrounding residents, and you, you can tell me if uh, you think the cops overreacted in this case. Surrounding residents were evacuated uh, while one of the sergeants contacted Jamie, who told uh, the Sergeant Johnson to leave him alone, that he was not going to come out of the house, and that he would hurt anyone who tried to enter. Now remember, Jamie never threatened anyone. He was alone, depressed in his father's house. They sent the cops to check on him. He never called the cops. He never said, I have hostages. I'm, you know, going to kill my... You know, I'm, he, never, he never contacted the police in this particular case. He said, go away, leave me alone. Don't come in or I'm going to shoot you. Which, it's a, you know, that's where he is. It's his dad's house. He, I mean, I suppose you could call that a threat. But then again, the police were surrounding his house. He's, des- he's despondent, uh, desperate. He's uh, messed up from PTSD, crazy in the head. He's uh, disturbed by having to go back to the Iraq War. And now he's being surrounded by armed cops. How's this going to end? Not well. 800-259-9231. We'll just show you how much they really care about military veterans coming up. 
The show is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Sakel CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, including the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens and dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo. We prove they, uh, they're proving they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. Are you prepared for the day the dollar drops to zero? D2Z.org proposes that day is near. Go to D2Z.org and learn how to survive and thrive during the U.S. dollar crisis. That's D2Z.org. We're talking about yet another story where the police in America have executed a military veteran. Jamie Dean had uh, come back from Afghanistan and Iraq, serving 18 months there between 2003 and 2005. Pretty messed up, as a lot of military veterans are. He was diagnosed with PTSD. As a result, um, got you know pretty depressed, did a lot of drinking, and uh, then got orders to return to Iraq, which sent him into a desperate terrible spiral and right as i can only imagine i mean post-traumatic stress disorders uh, i've i've heard estimates as many estimates as many as twenty five thousand um troops coming home are suffering from this but it's largely ignored by the military yep well they, they really don't care right <laughs> why should they you still have all your arms your legs you can go fight but right who cares what your attitude is so Just get out there so he called he had called his girlfriend and told her that uh he was uh let's see he had, he had gone out to his father's house. He said he just can't do it anymore, and she thought she heard a gunshot on the line, so her sister made a check-the-welfare call to 911. The cops came out. Uh, they He told the cops to go away. He said he would come outside, but then decided he didn't want to. Again, you know, the cops were just supposed to be checking on this guy. Sure. Somebody just, you know, oh, um, my... You know, my boyfriend's in danger. I hope, uh, you know, he could be a danger to himself. Go check it out and see if he's okay. So the cops... That's not the way they see this crap. Right. The cop shows up. You would think that, I mean, you would think that a cop would go up, knock on the door, say, uh, you know, Mr. Dean, you okay in there? He could say, yeah, I'm all right. You leave me alone. But no, the cop wanted him to come outside. He refused to come outside. You know what happens when the cops give you an order and you don't It's you a don't power struggle. It. Yeah, they get all upset about it. Right. Well, they are morally superior to you. So they surrounded the house. Uh, they uh, let's see. Then they uh, they took apparently all the neighbors and evacuated them from their homes because the man was suicidal. Again, he hadn't actually threatened to hurt anyone else besides himself, and he never even really told the cops that that was what he was going to do. He had just told his his girlfriend that. Anyway, the SWAT team then took up perimeter positions around the house. They were soon joined right. by the... Here's a guy who is suicidal, so they bring in the SWAT team. Police, what a good idea. Police attempted to negotiate with James... Well, the, you know, it's just something that I... St. Mary's County. Let's go look that up and see how what the population is there, Mark. Uh, go to Wikipedia. It's a, good, it's a good thing that they have uh, you know, uh, a SWAT team in St. Mary's. St. Mary's County, um, that's Maryland. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they've been waiting for a while to get out there, and this right. is probably very this exciting. Is, exactly. This is their chance. To gear up, and uh, so they Adrenaline got adrenaline pumping. The SWAT team took up perimeter positions. They were soon joined by the emergency services teams. They attempted to negotiate with Jamie Dean for several hours, during which time they disabled. Come on, Dean! Come on! We're gonna open fire. That's negotiation. <laughs> yep. Uh, during which time, now uh, remember, this guy doesn't have hostages. So what are they negotiating for? <laughs> they want him to follow their orders. Right. That's really it. You know, they could. What are they? What are they trying to get out of this? They're trying to get the guy to come out. 
and do what they want him to do. And that's really what it's all about. Yep. It has nothing to do with saving anyone or protecting anyone or serving anyone. This is just about bothering a suicidal man who Get wasn't this, following their orders. Get this. Not only did they supposedly attempt to negotiate with him for several hours, by the way, this is a 14-hour standoff. 82,000 people, so it's uh, slightly more than the county we're in. Right. Yeah. That's nothing. Nothing. Uh, during which time they disabled Jamie's cell phone. So, so he had can't even he, call the people right, he loves. Right. Had he wanted to reach out and touch some of his family members and say, look, these guys got the wrong idea. Just tell them to leave me alone. I don't want to talk to them. I want them to go away. He couldn't talk to anyone. In fact, not only did they disable his cell phone, but they routed his residence phone to the negotiator's telephone number. So whenever he picked up the damn phone, there's a cop on the other end of it. He'd already told the cops to go away. He does not want the cops there. Right. And what did he do? Did he break a law? Does he have to go out and see the police? No. Yeah, is threatening he suicide? Doesn't. Is threatening suicide breaking the law? I, how could they prove he threatened suicide? That somebody just called and said he did. That's true. Uh, yeah, his he told his girlfriend he can't do it anymore, and she thought she heard a gunshot. So instead of waiting for Jamie to exit the property or pass out from exhaustion and alcohol intake, the county police units began to fire chemical munitions, that is, tear gas canisters, into the house at approximately 4.19 in the morning on December 26th, the day after Christmas. Uh, though the states, actually this started on Christmas Day and it ended on the 26th. Though the state's attorney report states that between 40 and 60 canisters were fired, the actual final count was around 85. This is for one man in his house. After being Who fired just wasn't upon, following orders. Now, at this point, hadn't committed any crimes. Right. At this point, the cops are now firing on him. They're firing gas canisters into his house. He has told the cops to go away. I don't, you know, I don't want to you know, go away. You know, I hate to, to, to sweep with a broad brush here or paint with a broad brush, but, you know, I think that there are some people uh, on the police force and probably more of them that are on the SWAT team that really just like this kind of circumstance. Oh, yeah. They just like to see the escalation. Like, I, I told you the How story. often do you get to shoot 85 canisters into somebody's <laughs> right. house? Fire! I said, fire! And they'd sh shoot again. These crazy hillbillies out in the middle of St. Mary's County, Maryland, they, they just want to shoot their gas can canisters. They don't really care if a veteran gets, um, you know, commits suicide in the process. He should have followed orders! You know, this it reminds me of the trip that I, um, you know, the TSA and the uh, officer that I had to deal with there. All I said to the TSA agent was, I don't want you to touch me. That is not a refusal. It, I can see how someone would, would consider it a refusal. Right. But after I said that, bam, he says, bam, this guy officers. says, refusal. I, I'm surrounded within a minute by police officers. One of the police officers and a dog. I, eight police officers and a dog. Um, eight police officers plus TSA people. So, I mean, it's eight TSA and police one of the police officers, this is from, uh, uh, shoot, Londonderry um, Township or whatever. He says, um, you know, after I explain that, uh, after the one guy explains the uh, situation mm -hmm. to me that I can either get shaken down or I can go home. He says, you got a problem with that? Now, mm -hmm. tell me that guy wasn't trying to escalate the circumstances. He absolutely was. Now, was he was he trying to preserve the peace like a peace officer would no. or was he wanting to hope hoping to god he that he got to the slapped cuffs, cuffs on somebody taser somebody hurt somebody that day 
That was the equivalent of, uh, you know, uh, Barry Cooper from NeverGetBusted.com back mm-hmm. when he was a drug cop leaving somebody's uh, cuffs undone so they could right. get out and run away so he'd have an excuse to bash him in the head. This guy wanted you to lash out or, or jump at him so he'd have the opportunity to pull out his club and beat you down. Well, he couldn't do it by himself, but um, but he had he had another seven guys with him. Well, he he knew he could win. Yeah. He's just a bully. And I think some of these police officers escalate these circumstances, and I think the other police officers don't do anything about it. Now, remember, they fired 85 uh, tear gas canisters into this man's house. After being fired upon, as you might imagine, Jamie did exit to the rear of the home at around 4.33 in the morning, uh, raised a shotgun into the air, and fired in the direction of a police car located at least 50 yards away. The state's attorney noticed there was little evidence to establish whether the shot was fired directly or if pellets rained down around the police cars. An officer also remarked that the windshield of the vehicle sustained numerous chips that were barely visible. So it seems, by all evidence, that he just sort of came outside, pointed a gun into the air, and uh, fired it in the general direction of the cops. But remember, he was already being shot at by the police. More to the story coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. Archives galore. An entire year's worth of the show right there, front page of the website. Go and get them for free at freetalklive.com. Opportunistic lawyers, judges, future ex-spouses, disgruntled ex-employees, and meddling bureaucrats. These people all want your money, home, and car. What have you done to protect yourself? At keepyourassets.net, they're experts in sheltering your wealth. Go to keepyourassets.net and take their asset protection crash course today. They'll show you how to keep your assets at keepyourassets.net. Once again, we're telling you a story about the police killing a military veteran. It's not. It's the like the second time within a year or so that this has happened, um, and it's it's tragic. The man had PTSD. He had come back from Iraq and Afghanistan after spending 18 months there. Had gotten awfully depressed. Luckily, he'd managed to meet a girl, which had sort of helped him out for a little while. But then he got orders to return to Iraq, and he went into this spiraling, horrible depression, which happened happened to occur right around the Christmas holiday. He went out on uh, to his his father's house, I guess, in a more rural area. This all happened in a county in Maryland with a po- approximately 80,000 population, whereas you might imagine the SWAT team doesn't get uh, too much of an opportunity to, uh, well, do their SWAT team thing. So when the police got the call from his girlfriend that she thought her, her boyfriend might be suicidal, they showed up to supposedly check his welfare, ended up surrounding the house for no reason beyond the fact that, well, they're the cops and they can do those sorts of things. He, the, the guy wasn't coming out of the house. That's all. He was but, just suicidal. Right. The cops wanted him to come out of the house. He wouldn't come out. So they surround the house. They evacuated the neighborhood. They put SWAT, uh, SWAT members all over the place. They got snipers up on the roofs. And then they started lobbing tear gas canisters into the man's house. Eighty of them. Now, at this point, it's just mob mentality, except the mob is police. Yeah, 85 of them actually lobbed into his house. He comes out, because, you know, there's tear gas in his house, comes out, fires a shotgun up into the air as uh, the pellets rain down on the police cars around him, and apparently he then went back inside. By 11.10 in the morning, I guess they didn't do anything to him when he came out there. By 11.10 a.m. on December the 26th, day after Christmas, Maryland State Police had arrived on the scene and began to deploy personnel and resources. For the next hour or so, uh... 
County and state police attempted negotiations, uh, deploying throw phones and engaging in sporadic telephone conversations. Not sure what a throw phone is. At 1225, a negotiator made telephone contact with Jamie, who stated, I'm going home, and indicated that he might be coming out. However, it was at this point that the batteries in the police cell phone died. Then, mysteriously, at 12.45 p.m., power was cut to the house, and a state police... get I love the name of this vehicle. The Peacekeeper. A state police peacekeeper vehicle deployed chemical munitions in front of the house. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds nasty. Uh, and Calvert County Armored Vehicle did the same in the rear of the residence. They brought out an armored car for this. A tank. At 12.47 p.m., and this county has an armored car. At 12.47... people in the county, in the whole county, and they've got an armored car. The peacekeeper vehicle was located between 8 to 15 feet from the front of the house, continuing to dispense tear gas. The driver's side door was facing the front door of the house when Jamie partially opened the storm door. According to several reports, Jamie raised a long gun and pointed it at the peacekeeper. At this point, state police sharpshooter Sergeant Daniel Weaver fired one round from approximately 70 yards away, striking Dean in the left side. By 12.52, Jamie Dean... Had no life signs. So there you go. The cops have done it again. The uh, Jamie Dean held no hostages. He was not a fugitive, posed no threat to anyone but himself, and above all else, committed no crime that warranted harassment by the police in the first place. Remember, Jamie Dean did not respond with violence until the police started shooting tear gas canisters like in his house. Chemical warfare, basically. SWAT units are comprised of police officers trained in tactical skills who have one goal, to defuse existing violent situations with deadly force if necessary. Their duties most definitely do not include needlessly creating or escalating nonviolent situations, which is exactly what happened in this case. Uh, State Attorney Fritz had ruled the shooting of Jamie Dean itself was justified. Of course it was. Inasmuch as the sharpshooter perceived a mortal threat to his fellow officers at the time Jamie raised his weapon. Of course, they were in an armored car. Right, they were in an armored car, spewing, pumping tear gas. Right, noxious gas into the air, where, which they didn't have to be. They didn't have to be there. They didn't. None of them had to be there. None of this had to happen, but it happened because of this gung ho, throw it, uh, just throw it all out there uh, mentality right. of, of the police. Let's do what we got to do to kick some butt. We've boys. had this armored car for ten years now. We ain't been able to use it once. <laughs> How much do you think this cost? This whole expedition. Oh my gosh! It was a fourteen-hour. It was a fourteen-hour standoff. Two armored cars. Eighty-five canisters. <laughs> you can pretty much charge anything you want when it comes to tear gas out there, right? I mean, it's the government that's buying it. Evacuating the neighborhood, all of this because the man was allegedly suicidal. Allegedly suicidal. The cops themselves didn't have any real evidence of that. What a tragedy. 800-259-9231. So the moral of the story is, don't involve the cops in your personal problems if you don't absolutely have to. It's likely they're going to kill your friends or family. Let's go to the phones. You can take control and bring up whatever's on your mind. It's Bill in Oklahoma. You're on Free Talk Live. Uh, evening, gentlemen. How are you all doing today? What's on your mind, Bill? Well, I just got done uh, watching the Republican debate, as much as it pained me to do it. How'd and, it go? Uh, well, it didn't go so well in uh, in Ron Paul's favor. It really? Was pretty much, it was pretty much a pandering contest between McCain and uh, Giuliani. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those two had a pandering contest among the na- the nationalists in the crowd, mm-hmm. and uh, they really a- again it was it was uh, it was a clear case of uh, modern media trying to shut Paul out, 
and it, it looks like it, uh, when you guys get to watch the uh, the uh, footage, it looks like they're they're slowly putting the nail into Ron Paul's campaign. How I don't I don't see him lasting too much longer. How do, how 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 are they doing this? Uh, well, I mean, all the questions were pretty much asked of everybody. You're, you're still the same ten uh, 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 people buying for this Republican nomination. Right. Uh, you have you have uh, Huckleby pandering to the Christian right. You have the the nationalists supporting uh, Giuliani and McCain and. Those are the people that are getting asked the uh, the, the majority of the questions. Mm. Uh, so they're getting more questions. They're they, basically that's <laughs> pretty much how I got it. I they're, mean, they, they're not they, allowing all of the the people to respond to the questions. I think I heard maybe Ron Paul answer one question. Hmm. Really? And of course, I mean, I, I have to I backtrack a little bit. I did catch the debate a little bit later in the evening because of um, I had my time zones mixed up, but. Uh, from the from the same time period, Giuliani, McCain, and Huckleby answered like three or four different questions. Well, hmm. I, Romney's their front runner right now, and Romney's uh, the the favored child up here in New England. I don't understand why it would be McCain. I mean, McCain's lost already. He's only wasting money at this point. Giuliani's uh, you know going down in the polls. I, I mean, well, I'm hoping you missed some critical portions. I'm thinking uh, so too. Well, I mean, what was no, the two hour debate? I, I, well, actually, I must have caught the second half when they were doing the the, the Q and A from the crowd. Mm-hmm. Is the uh, the parts that I got, and of course, you had the the the, the teary eyed sister of the the uh, Iraqi soldier. Yeah, I saw that soldier. one. And, yeah, you know, he got, M- McCain got to give his. Well, I'm a I'm a real military leader, and I'll I'll lead this country into this war. But McCain wants to. I mean, McCain doesn't have a hope in in hell. He doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell because. Um, America wants out of this war, and he wants to escalate it even further. So well, McCain I, can I, forget it. He, he well, might as I, well um, take his uh, little RV and and turn it into something useful because he's not going to be president. Well, I just wanted to to end it on this note, and mm-hmm. this is the one thing that, that bothers me. Why is it that when Ron Paul week after or month after month preached smaller government, preached less involvement in in foreign affairs? preached the abolishment of the Federal Reserve. Everybody thought he was a kook, he was an idiot, it would never work. But now all of a sudden everybody else is jumping on the same bandwagon. Oh, it's the greatest the greatest ideas since the invention of the will. I just don't get Wait, it. Wait, who's, who's jumping on who's what bandwagon? That bandwagon? Well, I mean, it's just, it just seems like there's a lot of flip-flopping going on in the Republicans. I mean, you're, you're now seeing McCain turn around being anti-Bush when he was fully... Uh, backing Bush and his and his uh, I, uh, agenda. Well, we sort of expected this to happen, and Bill, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. And we'll know more, obviously, about the debate tomorrow night after we've had the chance to watch some clips from it. But we sort of expected that the competitors would start start trying to co-opt Ron Paul's message in order to uh, marginalize him as much as possible. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it now. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line in here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. All the features for free that we do ask you voluntarily support the show by buying Free Talk Live merchandise at store.freetalklive.com. we got brand new stuff available, including the Free Talk Live 2-gigabyte multi-gadget. It's our hottest sell- uh, selling item ever, and we have to restrict it to no more than 100 units. 
because we're just not an electronics retailer. You know, we we can't afford to have a bunch of stock of these things and have them lose value because that's what, you know, electronics do over time. So we've got a limited number, and we've already sold more than half of them. Uh, so head over to store.freetalklive.com. It's a 2-gigabyte MP3 player flash drive. It's an FM tuner. It's a voice recorder all rolled into one for less than 60 bucks. It's an unbeatable value. Uh, so there's that. And then there's also the... Uh, Free Talk Live clothing, like the Free Talk Live ladies t-shirt. We've also got the Free Talk Live uh, pullover hoodie, also the zippered hoodie, the Free Talk Live beanie cap, the brand new version of that, and the Free Marketeer t-shirt, not to mention the bottle lighter opener, or the lighter bottle opener combo, all there at store.freetalklive.com and our older items as well. That's store.freetalklive.com to the phones. It is Zilgo in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, fellas. How you doing tonight? Great. What's on your mind? All right, so uh, check it out. I just graduated Keene State, right? Congrats. And uh, through my time there, I'd been cutting hair for friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, now postgraduate, I get to decide what am I going to do. And I decide that I'm going to start cutting some hair for, for people here around Keene. Okay. So I open up a small shop, and, uh, and, I, and, and, and I am aware that I'm supposed to have a tax, basically a tax stamp, um, uh, a license to cut hair in New Hampshire, but I decide that I'm not going to do it. Which requires so, like so you have, to have a barber's license of some sort, right? That's that's what's required of the state. Right. And you likely have to have an occupational license in the city or t- uh, county where you're opening too, right? Yeah, but you know, it's all just it's all just bulls. Yeah, graft. Yeah. It's graft. Yeah. Well, well, good news. Stamp. I think they just passed a law, meaning you only need uh, something like 850 hours of... Instead of 1,600 or something yeah, like exactly. that. So, uh, yeah, exactly. They're but cutting I don't you a break. Zilgo doesn't sound too interested in jumping through all those <laughs> no, hoops. He doesn't. You just want to cut people's hair, right? <laughs> no, I just want to cut people's hair. I want, to make, I want to make a living. I want to pay off my debts. So I open up my shop, right, mm-hmm. down on Marlboro Street. And, uh, and, and who walks in the door but the county, the, county, uh, the attorney, the DA, Okay. He walks in the door and he says, uh, "Yo, how much for uh, how much for a, for a haircut, just to trim?" And I quote him. Is this Peter he decides, Heed? I'm sorry, I know this is like local stuff now, but is this Peter Heed, the uh, county yes, attorney? Yes. Okay, I yes. know him personally. Go ahead. Uh, so we so he asked me how much I quote him, and he sits down in the chair and he's like, "All right," and I start I start my work, and uh, I'm about two snips into his cutting his hair, and around ten state police, <laughs> two came police bust in the door. Uh-huh. They start it, it, grabbing. They grab out all my my materials to cut hair, all my combs, all my all my scissors, and and you know they're saying down on the ground, down on the ground, drop the weapon, and I I have no idea what's going on. So okay. I'm on the ground. I get detained. They put me in the plastic handcuffs, and uh, Peter says Peter Peter disperses all the guys, and he says, all right, all right, disperse, get out of here. I'm in there with Peter. He hands he he he's, he says. You know, I can easily make this all go away. I'm like, what do you mean, make this all go away? I, I, I just want to make a decent, an honest living cutting hair. Because I can make this all go away for Mr. Hamilton. And I say, excuse me. What? Hamilton? A $20 bill? Hey, sounds no, like Hamilton's on the 10. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Shows what I know. And, and, and so I'm like, all right, are there cameras? What, what's going on? Is this a practical joke? It says it's no joke. It says it's no joke. Right. So, and so did I'm, you give I'm him just, the ten? I gave him the ten, but I, he still didn't give back my combs or my my scissors. That bum. Where was yeah. this? Uh, I happen to uh, know Marlboro Street pretty well. Where was this shop on Marlboro Street? I'm I'm right across. I'm, well, I was 
right across from U-Haul. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. Is this the same inspector that uh, you bribed to stop banging holes in your wall as well with the $10 bill? <laughs> Get him out of here. He, he also this made off of my personal dog collection. My personal dog collection, he started smashing it. He went, he went <laughs> Awesome call. Thank you, Zilgo. We appreciate it. 800. He sounds like he really lives in Keene, though. And he, I don't he, think he, certainly, well, he knows where the U-Call is. It's on yeah. Marlboro Street, but I'll tell you, that vacant is... that. that that building has been vacant for quite some time. That's across the street. It's oh. the Im- Imagistics or something. You building. know, poor Zilgo. He's been having run-ins. I, I remember he called it before because they were in there busting holes in his walls. And he, it was the same guy wanting a $10 bill. $10. <laughs> Wants a Hamilton. 800-259-9231. That's good. We haven't had a good creative uh, call like that in a long time. <laughs> he certainly confused you. Somebody you were sitting just... over with your mouth wide open the whole call. You didn't know whether to believe it or not believe it. <laughs> Let's uh, let's go to the phones. Talk to Mike in Illinois. You're on the amplifier line. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. I just wanted to share you some uh, Internet poll results I saw already from uh, the uh, debate tonight. Oh, already? Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at the – it's an MSNBC poll. They asked a handful of questions so far. There's been about 4,800 responses to it. And uh, just a couple of the questions like who stood out from the pack and who showed the most leadership qualities and who was the most convincing candidate. Ron Paul is polling about 60% mm. with the next – closest in each one of those categories only being about 10 percent mm. excellent and, uh what one more quick one is who had the best one-liner is a uh, rod paul 44 percent the next one was like 12 percent i admittedly didn't watch the debates um i'll just wait for clips tomorrow or sure but i just thought i'd share, I'd those, share those results from you uh, with you very good and uh did you have any other comments Nope, that's it. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Ron Paul, by the way, has uh, carried the MSNBC poll after every single debate. He's mm-hmm. won every question on the MSNBC poll. He's been the, the far and away uh, the winner, which is, that's pretty good news. As with a, a lot of online polls. This is true. Um, so, of course, we'll continue to, I'm looking at the Drudge Report. They don't have, you know, the Drudge Report, I don't think they put up their poll after the second debate. After Ron Paul did so well in their first poll, I think they just didn't put up a second poll. And in this case, tonight, they don't have a poll there uh, either tonight. So I wonder why. 800-259-9231. Quick cop story. Uh, this one from the New York Police Department. Now, remember, we, we've talked a lot about how the cops can pretty much do whatever they want. And when it comes to New York City, they can really do whatever they want. I mean, <laughs> the cops are totally in control. It's a, like almost a complete police state. Well, the NYPD, according to Gothamist.com, was a little bike-happy last Wednesday. According to witnesses, they showed up without warning and used circular saws to cut the locks off of about 50 bicycles on 6th Street. Uh, and then uh, the, the NYPD allowed people to take the loose bikes without showing any proof of ownership. They seized 15 of the bikes and arrested two bystanders. According to Time's Up, Robert Carnevale was arrested while videotaping the bike raid after he asked one of the officers for his badge number. Carol Vale, a nurse observing the scene, was also arrested when she asked why Mr. Carnevale was being uh, detained. Carnevale was held for 22 hours and Ms. Vale was held for 13 hours. Time's Up, along with the 6th Street Cycling Community, are asking for a meeting with the commanding officer of the 9th Precinct to explain the actions of the NYPD and to ask for their bikes back. The, the cops went to a street in New York. Cut all the locks off about 50 bikes. Cut the locks off of the bikes, allowed anyone to come up and take those bikes, and then confiscated 15 of them for themselves. How bizarre. It's uh, apparently a uh, part of their bike pr- 
program, the Ninth Precinct's the bike, hell is their bike, bike program. Cut <laughs> 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 people's bikes and give them away. Keep a few for ourselves. We, we, well, they're claiming twenty-five percent of the bikes off the top. That's our bike program. What? <laughs> the claim is that uh, last fall they started an exemplary program to tag and clear abandoned bikes from bike racks, street signposts, parking meters, trees, and other street fixtures. Police officers affixed tags to the suspected abandoned bicycles, informing the owner that the bike will be removed in two weeks. Officers tag bikes that have elicited complaints or show signs of abandonment like stripped parts, flat tires, rusted chains, or a layer of dirt. If the owner does not remove the bike by the end of the two-week period, the NYPD and the Department of Sanitation clip the lock and sanitation carts the bike away. Now, this sounds somewhat reasonable. I, I, I think I can get that. I mean, if you lock your bike in place on a public rack for more than two weeks... And they can prove that that thing's been on there. You know, have you some kind of public notice, and they identify the bike on that public notice. It wouldn't be very fair if you just wrote out, this bike needs to be removed, and you didn't identify the bike, because somebody could just pick it up and stick it on another bike. But, um, you know, it, it right. seems like if that... You, you could say that, but that really wouldn't explain why Robert Carnavale was arrested for videotaping the raid. No, no, or it certainly the nurse, uh, the nurse that happened to be watching was arrested for asking why the other man was arrested. Uh, one of the readers of Gothamist told us that his neighbor's bike was taken in spite of her pleas that she had an order from a judge labeling this practice as illegal from a prior incident. Paul also gave us the verbiage of the Ninth Precinct's bike program, uh, which we just read for you. The executive director of Time's Up says that bikes should not be seized unless they're impeding the flow of traffic. This is a normal maintenance procedure that got way out of control. He adds, as seen last week, the police are not experienced with these types of procedures. This is a job for sanitation or for the local community, not the NYPD. And why did they take some bikes but allow others to take some of the bikes? Because the cops wanted the best ones for themselves. Weird. It's been Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. Join us tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.